<laughs> Thank you, Rhonda, for putting all that together. We were in Branson a couple weeks ago and getting ready to go listen to the Presleys. <laughs> and before the Presleys ever start, they have a, have a guy that's up on the second floor there and he's, he plays the piano. And he plays nothing but old-time gospel hymnal songs. And you just sit there and listen and sit there and sang with him. And, and I, I reached over and told Rhonda, I said, we're going to do that in our church one of these days. Just get back to the old time, the old timies. Because they speak such truth. You know, the Bible says we are to sing praises to him when we enter his courts. Uh, I like the new stuff. <laughs> but I, that, that old stuff, which is really new stuff. <laughs> Uh, just speaks to my heart. I hope it speaks to your heart too. What a praise that it is. We'll be in uh, Matthew, if you want to turn there, Matthew 5. And before we really get it going here, I'm going to have to, looks like the clock on the wall says I'm going to have to speak fast, so you're going to have to listen even faster, okay? Uh, we'll have to work on that time frame a little bit. But before we get going, I, I don't want to start without uh, opening with a word of prayer, and I'm going to ask my good friend and Sunday school teacher, Jim French, to open us up, please, if you would, buddy. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, brother. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago uh, in uh, Matthew 5 with, with the Beatitudes, or blessed are they, uh, if you would. And we're going to continue along there. We'll start in verse 4 here in just a second. But if you remember what we talked about, these, these, the Sermon on the Mount, this Beatitudes and all that he teaches, it's, it's a really a radical teaching. Because a lot of it, as we look through this, that uh, in the world's eyes, it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's not teaching the masses on this thing. He's teaching the disciples. And he's teaching them and said, this is what a truly born-again disciple of mine will look like. This is the kind of heart that my people will have. And because of that, and I got to looking at that, I, I, I want to just encourage us with, with these messages over the Beatitudes and encourage you to say this is the kind of heart that Christ wants in us. And maybe it doesn't uh, look right to the world, but it looks just exactly right to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so we're going to keep looking at that, and we're going to be in, in, uh, in verse 4 today. But if you remember just a couple weeks ago when we, when we started talking about it, we, we gave a definition of blessed. And, and blessed means uh, happy, obviously. Uh, blessed means uh, maybe a good fortune, something good has happened. 
uh, in your life. And it, it, it does mean that. But there is more to that word blessed that Jesus is using here in his scriptures. Uh, what Jesus is talking about here, blessed are those. Uh, he is talking about a spiritual joy, a spiritual satisfaction that regardless of what happens in your life, okay, you will still have this joy and this satisfaction. No matter what, no matter trial, no matter circumstance, no matter pain, no matter suffering, we will still have that joy and that place. And he said that is the definition of blessed. Continue to have that spiritual joy no matter, no matter what. And then we looked at blessed is the poor in spirit. And we, and we talked about that. And we said the poor in spirit is not poor, poor, pitiful me, if you remember. It's not I'm such a lousy person. I am such a loser. I deserve all the bad that I get. It's none of that, if you'll remember. That's not what he's talking about. He was talking about that, that for the poor in spirit, for the believer who is poor in spirit, he is bankrupt before God. That there is no good that we can offer God, that we are totally dependent upon Him, that we have a concern and a love for other people. We are not better than anybody else, but we have this spirit about us that we love other people and that we don't deserve God's mercy, but He gave it to us anyway. That is the poor in spirit. Today we're going to look at uh, uh, the next one in, in Matthew 5, 4. And it says, those... Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Boy, this sounds like a great message, doesn't it? Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The definition of mourn is to be sad, is it not? Yeah. The definition of mourn is to be heartbroken. It is also being a, a deep sorrow. And, and for all of us in here, I know one time or another, it is... That mourning means that grief that comes from deep within. When we lose a special person, when something happens and, and we just grieve and we mourn, and it's just not a sadness, but we've all been there. Maybe some of you are still there. It is that kind of, of mourning and that kind of grief that just wells up deep and comes out with, with an overflow of, of tears. That's, that's what he's talking about when we define this this idea of mourning. And boy, that doesn't sound very, very good, does it? Doesn't sound like it's going to be a great message. But he, you need to remember, he is speaking to Christians here. And what is he talking about when he talks about mourning? Because, you know, he doesn't want us to be sad all the time, does he? I mean, he doesn't want us to walk around being depressed and, 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 and long, in the, long in the mouth and just all that kind of stuff. He, that's, not, that's not the Christian faith. That's not the Christian walk. So what, what is he talking about? And I, I believe he's talking about three different things here, okay, when he talks about mourning, okay? And, and, and he says, we are blessed when we mourn, and when we mourn, we will be comforted. And this is strictly to believers, okay? This is not the unbeliever. This is somebody that's never been born again. He is talking to believers, and he's going to teach believers. This is what they look like. So what's he, what's he talking about? I think he's talking about three different people, three different groups of people, that have mourning, that should be mourning, that you have to be mourning. And the first one there is, is the one here. who It is the person who desperately mourns over their sin. The person who mourns over their sin. Now, I, I know as believers we are, we are forgiven. He's forgiven our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. But there are times in my life and in your life that we stumble. 
There are times when we go ahead and sin when we don't want to, but we do anyway. Okay? And he's talking about that kind of time. And it is a person who, who mourns over the sin. It is that person, that person who knows that sin is an offense to God. And that person runs in the opposite direction of sin. It's an offense to God. It's that person who understands the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sin, to offer salvation to all of us. We understand what that, what that was. and It's that physical pain that he went through, the crown and the, and the beatings and, and, the, and the nails, but also the spiritual rejection of God himself, where he said, Father, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And the pain of that and the pain that Jesus became sin. He had never known sin. He had never been sin. But now, as he's, as he's on that cross, the stench of sin just kind of wells up inside of him. And, and the pain and the rejection must have been absolutely awful. And for the Christian, we understand that pain. And when we, when we start walking towards sin in our lives, we realize, no, 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 we cannot do that. We must, must not go in that direction because of that, that, that price that he paid so that I could have Salvation. No, we must not ever do that. It's a person who understands that when we sin, we break fellowship with holy God. We don't break a relationship, but we break a fellowship. We break the, the line, if you would, that runs from us to holy God. And, 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 and we break that because of sin. Isaiah 59, 2 tells it this way. He says, uh, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That is a picture of broken fellowship. And for the believer, we must get to the point where we don't want to have that kind of broken fellowship. And when we sin and that fellowship is broken, we immediately want to go to him and confess and clean that up and ask for forgiveness. That is the heart of that believer who mourns over his sin, that we don't want to have sin in our lives. And when we do... We know we've got to do something about that. It is a person that says, I am sad when I sin. I'm sad when I'm sinning, and I need to get that cleaned up. So he says we are blessed. We are blessed when we understand what sin has done in our lives, and we mourn over that when we come short of his glory. There's a, there's a uh, parable in Luke 18, 11 through 13, and it talks about, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Bible says they went to church one day, they went to the synagogue there, and they're standing there praying. And the, and the Pharisee says, Thank you, Lord, for that I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> okay, you see the verse up there. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not a cheater or a swindler or a liar or I'm unjust or I'm an adulterer. Or thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them over there. I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast and I tithe all the time. And God, look at me. And, and, and I just noticed this as I was studying this. And he says, the Pharisee is praying to himself. Praying to himself. He, he was not mourning over his sin, was he not? But there's a tax collector who is one of the most despised people in all of society that day. And there he is. And he calls out to God, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. You see, the tax collector mourned over his sin. Do you see the difference in the hearts of these two men? Have mercy on me, 
a sinner. That's what it means to mourn over your sin and seek forgiveness of that. King David mourned over his sin, did he not? And he longed for the joy of God's salvation to come back to him. Peter, when he denied Christ three times, what does what the Bible say he did? He ran and hid himself, and he grieved and he mourned over his sin. He knew he had broken the heart of Jesus, and he cried over that, and he mourned over that. Christian friends, we have got to get to the point where sin bothers us. I mean, we've got to get to that point. Where when we sin and the Holy Spirit convicts us of what we have said or what we have done or what we didn't do, that sin of omission. When he says and speaks into your heart, we've got to listen and go, oh, yeah, yeah. We've got to seek forgiveness. Because you see, when we don't, when we don't seek forgiveness, when we don't want to hear from the Holy Spirit, if you would, we are no different than the world and the way the world reacts to sin. And Christian friend, we can't be that way. We've got to be a people that mourn over our sin. And when we begin to sin and head in those directions, what do we do? We put the brakes on that and we go to God and we confess and we repent and we seek His forgiveness. And you know what happens when we do that? He forgives us, cleans us up, and pushes us down the road and says, Hey, you can do it. Do better. I love you. We've got to be a people that mourn over our sin. Second thing I want to see it types of group of people that are to mourn over their sin. It is those people that mourn over the plight of others and the suffering of others. It is those people that see the tragedies of this world and we mourn over that. We, we see the brokenness of people in this world and we, are, we mourn over that. We see the lostness of people. And we understand that if they were to die, they're not going to heaven. And we mourn over that and we grieve over that. Jesus said, that's the kind of heart that I want. That's who I want in, for my people. Is that when we see stuff going on, we mourn for that and we want to do something about that. We see examples all the time about Jesus doing that very same thing. In Matthew 9, we see him. We see him. He sees the people and he sees how they're hurting and it's dispirited and they're just kind of disjointed and kind of going about their own business uh, in a depressed manner, if you would. And the Bible says he had compassion over these people. He had compassion over these people. When he, when he looked over Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem and he said, I wanted to bring you just like a hen and, and under my wing so I could help you and bless you. And he said, but you wouldn't let me do that. But he had compassion over them. When he, when he stands at, at the tomb of Lazarus and he sees people crying, what is he doing? He cries with them because he has this great compassion. You see, that's a heart of mourning. That's a heart that cares. That's a heart that loves what's going on and wants to help. And friend, when we see that, when we see those personal tragedies, what do we do? When we see that brokenness, what do we do? When we see the lostness of humanity, and when they die, they're going to go to hell and stay there forever and ever. What do we do about that? Do we mourn over it? Yes, we do. But do we, do we pray about that? Yes, we do. Do we go? Yes, we do. 
Do we give? Yes, we do. Do we love and extend a hand of, of fellowship? Yes, we do. But how many times in our lives, guys, how many times do we see something that's not right and we turn our backs and walk the other way? We turn a blind eye and we don't want to, we want, don't want to see that. And in our mind, we might think, and maybe we don't, but we probably do. I'm saved. I'm okay. I got, I got Jesus in my life. Or we say, I, 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 know you need, I know you need a Savior. I know that. But I don't really care because I'm good for myself. You see the difference in the heart? One heart says, I mourn for you. I, I want the best for you. I love you. And the other heart says, like the Pharisee, yeah, I'm a pretty good guy. Y'all deal with your own issues, okay? Jesus said that's a heart that mourns, and a heart that mourns is blessed. And he says that heart that does that is a heart that will be comforted. And we'll look at that comfort in just a minute. There's a third group that, that comes to mind when we look at this idea of those that mourn. And it's those people that, it's all of us at one time in our life. It is those that are mourning over a personal tragedy. A deep loss of a loved one. Something major that has happened in our lives. And we mourn over that. That's the third group that I want you to look at today. And the promises that we're going to read in just a minute are for the Christian, for the believer. It's not for the unbeliever. I want you to know that. And when tragedy comes into our lives, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to grieve, aren't we? And we're going to be sad, aren't we? And we're going to be be hurt, aren't we? And we're going to be dejected, aren't we? But what we have to understand as believers, we don't grieve like the rest of the world. Because you see, we've got a whole book of promises here that we can stand on and we trust and we believe and we claim them and we put them inside of us and we, and we digest those things and become who we are. When we grieve in in that hard time and there's nothing wrong with grieving and mourning and sad and all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says we don't grieve like everybody else. Because we have a Savior that we can take our hurts and our pains to. Psalm 34, 15 says this. This is great stuff. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. The eyes of the Lord see what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. He knows your grief. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. And the eyes of the Lord are towards you. And then the ears hear when you cry to Him. When you cry out in anguish and that grief comes from deep within. The Bible says, gives us a promise. His eyes see and His ears here and he collects our tears the bible says in psalms in a bottle psalm 34:18 says it this way the lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit the lord saves those who are brokenhearted and those that are crushed with life those that are crushed with grief it says i save you i am there for you. And then Psalm 147 3 says this He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wings. That's a promise. When you're grieving, that's a promise. When you're brokenhearted, that's a promise. He's going to bind up your hurt. And if you, just, if you take those three verses, it says the eyes are, are, are upon you. His ears are open. He is near to us when we grieve. He saves us when we are crushed. He heals us when we're brokenhearted. And he binds up our wounds. When we grieve, those are promises from holy God that will never be broken for the believer. The world tells us when we are brokenhearted, when we're grieving, the word gives us all kind the world gives us all kind of options and tells you this is what you need to do when you're grieving. He says, write a, write a letter. You've heard this one probably. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Write a letter. Whatever makes you mad or however you're grieving. Don't mail it. Just tear it up and throw it away. But at least get, that, get your feelings out. Yeah, that, that probably, probably will work, don't you think? Some say, well, why don't you just go shopping? You know, buy half a dozen pairs of shoes maybe. <laughs> get a makeover. Go get a makeover. Change what you look like. That'll make you, make you feel better. Others will say, go get a, a bottle of Jim Beam. That'll make you feel better. Get drunk. That way you don't have to feel it. Now, I've heard, go eat a box of chocolates. Chocolates will make you feel better. <laughs> okay? Take a pill. Take some meds. You'll feel better. And see, the world wants to tell you that, that is solution to heartbreak. But you see what the world's telling you, we just want to make you feel better. We want you to feel better by doing this kind of stuff. And when we're really deep dog grieving from deep within us, we don't need to feel better. We need a heart that's been healed. And for the Christian, and only for the Christian, the Christian, when we grieve and we are brokenhearted, we have a great fringe benefit in our lives. And that fringe benefit is the power of healing from the Holy Spirit that only a Christian has. When we're deep down and, and just, ugh, we take it to the Lord. We take, let that Holy Spirit work within us, okay, who heals our hearts. And, and He is the only one that can heal the brokenhearted. And bind up our wounds. Nothing in this old world can ever do that when we're mourning. The Bible says when we mourn over our own sin, when we mourn over the tragedies and the lostness of others, when we mourn over our own personal tragedy, what is the promise from God's Word? You are blessed. And that blessed is you have spiritual joy no matter what you go through. That, my friend, is a promise. And you have that spiritual joy and we mourn for those things and then God's Word says what? Then, I promise you, you'll have comfort during that time. That's a promise from God. That's Jesus speaking. And when Jesus is speaking, you can take that stuff to the bank, can you not? Because it is 100% correct. What's he talking about here when he talks about comfort just to change the tune just a little bit? Because this is a comfort that we have. You know, sometimes God comforts us when we're mourning over any of these things, uh, you know, us or there or whatever. 
You know, sometimes, you know, you might think a comfort would be a pat on the back. Uh, comfort might be somebody coming over to your house and, and visiting with you. Those are all great comforts. Somebody giving you a hug. Those are great comforts. These are suggestions, by the way, okay, for, for when we know somebody that's hurting. Uh, a phone call, yes. A text, yes. A go by, yes. A hug, yes. Those are all great things that Christians can do. And we are called to do that. Okay? But it's, that comfort goes a little deeper than that that Jesus is talking about. He goes a little deeper than just those things that we do. You see, he has promised us, he has promised a very present peace, a very present consolation, a very present relief in our lives. We read in John 14, 27 about this peace that he gives to us when we mourn. It says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do you understand when we are hurting and grieving? Jesus said, I, I've got some peace that will surpass all understanding. I have got peace in your, to give you that you won't even comprehend. What a promise. But see, he can make all the promises in this old world. And, and yet, we, until we believe them, until we stand on them, until we act on them, they won't be any good to us. Christian friend, we've got to be able to, to take his word and literally absorb it into who we are. John 16, 33 says it this way. These things I have spoken to you so that in me, not in a world, but in Christ, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, yes. You will have heartache, you will have mourning, you will have grief. But he says, take courage. I have overcome the world. That is a promise that he's given to us. When we are dealing with grief and we want to mourn and those kind of things, he gives us peace. He also gives us an assurance of forgiveness, an assurance of acceptance that he has accepted us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we are hurting, we have the peace and the knowledge and the assurance that that even if we are sinning, he wants to forgive us. He wants to clean us up. We don't have to worry about that ever not happening in our lives. We have assurance of forgiveness and we have the assurance of God's acceptance when we're hurting. The assurance of God's acceptance. I think it was, I think Jim talked about this or somebody that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Ephesians 1.3 said, God accept us. He said, we are blessed to be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, even though we are in a dark place in our lives, the Bible says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have every blessing that we need. We have every power, every ability that he's given to us to overcome when we are grieving. We have that assurance. And then we have another assurance. And it's the third one there. We have the assurance of God's presence. And that whatever has happened in our lives, God's going to work through that. Man, that's kind of a big one, you know it? And that's sometimes for a believer and for anybody to, to understand that. That when grief comes, mourning comes, that God is there. And that God's going to work it out. 
and his presence can be felt. In the verses, Romans 8, 28, and we know what that says. I mean, no matter what happens, God is sovereign, God is good. We grieve over the loss of something or someone, but we understand and we stand on that promise and we don't move from that promise and we trust that promise where it says all things will work together for good. And as we grieve and as we mourn and as we cry, we stand on that promise knowing that God is sovereign, that whatever happens in our life, whatever happens in our life, whatever happens in our life, for the born-again believer, that it is for my good and for His glory. You might not understand it now. It might take you a while. It might, get, might take you to eternity. But that ugliness that happens in our lives, the Bible says, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to put it all together. And Don, it's going to be for your good. And it's going to be for my glory. That's what he says. I don't know about you, but if you are grieving and mourning, that ought to bring assurance to you that you have not been left alone, that you've not been forsaken, that God is going to work it out. Again, only for those truly born again. There's, a, there's, a, there's another kind of comfort, and that is the eternal comfort. The eternal comfort. When we mourn, we have eternal comfort. And that is passing from death to life. John 5, 24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, okay, He who hears my word, Jesus' words, and believes who sent Jesus, that's God, has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death to life. But has passed from death to life. I gave this uh, example a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night. And I talked about a professional golfer by the name of uh, Paul Azinger. Okay, so if you play golf, you might know who this guy is. He was diagnosed with cancer. And, of course, it was bothering him. He didn't know what to do and how to handle it all. And he goes to the, the, the chaplain there of the golf, golf professionals, and he tells them, I've got this going on in my life. And, and he was kind of sad and, and dejected, really. And the, and the chaplain told him this. He says, you know, in today's world, we, we, we think that we are in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. But he said, that's not right. He said, in reality, we are in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. You see what that's talking about? This old world, we, are, we live under the curse of sin, and we struggle with the curse of sin, and we are in the land of dying because a 100% ratio of what's going to happen to all of us, we know one day. But for us being born again, we are in this land that is dying. We're getting older and grayer and getting all kind of stuff going on in our bodies. But he says, we are in the land of the dying, but we one day (laughs) will be in the land of the living. And that is heaven in the very presence of God and his son, Jesus. That needs to excite you. That needs to get you fired up that, man, man, I'm grieving here and I'm hurting here, but one day, one day, I'm going to get out of this old body and I'm going to take this old body and it's going to be a glorified body, going to be a resurrected body that spends forever and forever 
with holy God in his very presence. That should bring us eternal comfort when we grieve. The second thing I want to say, just real quickly, and I'll be done. We have eternal comfort knowing that one day he's going to wipe away all the tears that we have. It even talks about that in, in Isaiah, in, in, in Isaiah 25, 8. Even in the Old Testament, he will swallow up death for all time and the Lord will wipe tears from our faces. Revelation 21, 4, this is the one that we know. This is the one that we always hear, and God will wipe away all our tears from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. What a, what a day that will be for the believer. What a day that will be. No matter how hard and how much yuck we have in this old world, one day, one day, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. What a day that will be when we stand in the very presence of holy God. When we get to behold His face. Revelation 21.3 We will see Him like we've never seen Him before. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope you understand that we have, we have peace right now. We can have encouragement and comfort right now no matter what we're going through. But then he says, I'm also going to give you an eternal, look way past that, an eternal comfort in a home in heaven. Only for those who are truly born again. If you look at blessed is the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, would you not say that that is a heart issue? I believe it's a heart issue. Are, are we going to be people that... that, that are bankrupt and we have nothing to offer God but we wholly depend on Him? Are we people that are, that are going to just, that are mourn over our sin when we break God's command? Or, or, or when we see other tragedies and lostness in the world, what are we going to do about that? When we have our own personal tragedy, where do we go? Friends get help, but I'm, I'm telling you, the promises of God's word. We so overlook that option, I think, in our lives. I just really do. I, I, I'm not pointing fingers because I do the very same thing. We look for the world to help us when we grieve and when we mourn. And yet, God's word has the answers that we need. All we got to do is stand on that promise and believe that promise and trust those promises and let him fulfill that promise in our lives. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As we begin our invitation time. Jesus is writing to the disciples, and he's teaching them. And he says, this is what my people will look like. This is what my disciples will look like. This is the heart that my disciples will have. They will be poor in spirit. They will mourn over the things that need to be mourned over. And he says, I promise you, I promise you, when you are grieving over life, I will bring you comfort. As we begin our invitation time, we bow our heads and close our eyes. Uh, just a simple question I'm asking you, do you have that kind of a heart? Is that the heart that you have? 
or do we become so hardened that we just overlook everybody else's problems? Or maybe you're hurting today. Let him bring you peace. Let him bring you that assurance. Let him remind you of what what your home will be like someday. Let God work. Whatever he wants to do, let him work. Do business with your God right now. The altars are open. If you want to come. Thank you.